That's all I wear at work. <laughs> Man, you must chafe something off. I do. <laughs> That's why you think she powders my butt. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Hello. You are listening to, or so they say, the podcast for two sisters travel small town America, one ghostly tale at a time. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Mick. And, and what I'm happened? Joking. I'm what sorry. happened? It's spit and, you know. <laughs> You were yawning and just a lot of functions <laughs> happened all at once. I choked. I'm sorry. It's Megan. Yeah, welcome. Hi. It's me. We're back. And it's Christmas time. It's almost, almost. by the time you're hearing this, Tomorrow. Uh, two, day, two days. Well, oh yeah. Tomorrow will be Christmas Eve. Yes. And then Christmas Day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and we hope we feel festive. I had to, I pulled out the old uh christmas intro for this one i i mm. hear it and i'm like man <laughs> if you didn't catch last year's christmas special yeah if you if you haven't been following us for a year we did a christmas special last year which was really funny if you go back and listen <laughs> to it there's pooping logs it's good stuff yeah <laughs> man sorry it's sorry. fine my nails I'm my goal is to just not cut anything anymore so good i'm glad y'all get to hear this raw and uncut <laughs> Oh, good. Yikes. I'm sweating. I'm panicking. I'm so congested. So maybe I will try to keep it, my choking to, to, a, minimum. to a minimum. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate We all appreciate that. Which, speaking of, sorry about last week, guys. I'm like. What happened last week? We didn't have an episode last oh, week. Oh, that's why. I can't remember what happened last week. That's why. Uh, this, that's how stressed we I was just like, what happened last week? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, <sighs> my bad, y'all. This is a fun... I'm having a fun time. <laughs> no, I mean, everything... The holidays are nice, but like I swear to God, leading up to the holidays is always really freaking stressful, depending on what line of work you're in. Yeah. So my work just happens to be extra stressful right, right now. It, it just took its toll. It did. It, I'm better. I'm fine. We're here now. I but, didn't cry five days straight. It's cool. It's fine. I'm fine. I, I cry all the time. I'm full disclosure. I cry all the time. <laughs> no, I think I broke a record with that one. I was like, well, here I go again. <laughs> Just, the game's all here. Not relevant, but I like that quote. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. It's another Christmas. Another year passed. 2021 was, in fact, a blur. And I think... Mm-hmm that's for the best like this for me was better in ways than 2020 yeah i get you know mine wasn't too bad i think <laughs> yeah i mean like i met maddie well re-met maddie and we start dating so like i guess that's kind of neat mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah covid wasn't fun that was we can just scratch that oh my gosh yeah i've been sick this year more than i can recall it's Mm-hmm. something and i i feel like it's because of being the quarantine like was helpful but also like i maybe it like weakened immune systems so now just like everything makes me sick yeah that's true and then of course my super special announcement a couple weeks ago and we're still going strong y'all there's just a lot happening all right i'm almost to the halfway point of this pregnancy which is weird almost not quite but almost uh, it's wild though about two more weeks two and a half weeks gross something like that i don't know (laughs) gross well anyway (laughs) weird times weird times so another another christmas has come upon us Mm -hmm. we're here to talk more christmasy things 
And surprise, Christmas is full of weird things. Uh, uh, tell me about it. I we we decided what we were going to talk about like got the vague ideas and then went into researching and i was like oh oh like it was <laughs> i didn't know what to expect i was like i didn't think it would be dry or anything but i was just like this took a lot of turns i wasn't expecting mm-hmm. now i will say i did just stick we did stick with just christmas tradition so i think that i'm fully aware there is other holidays celebrate this should be a holiday special not really a christmas special but <sighs> dang we're like, in there uh, well they celebrate look here i am being so <laughs> close so uncultured <laughs> i gotta stop like self-deprecating here but we celebrate christmas the two of us do so that is what we talked about right celebrate loosely but anyway the point is you know hopefully we'll be doing this for another year if we can get our lives together Mm -hmm. and next holiday season we'll be more inclusive you know what it really just right over my head this year i don't know i it was we were in too deep and i was like man you know we just keep (laughs) well last year we actually focused on traditions around the globe right and actually i will cover i will cover some other things not just christmas not just americanized christmas right right so yeah but sorry you're getting a a lot of christmas today so for all the other holidays i am a happy holidays person i i don't know i do both Tis the season the rest of it i mean we all probably get it's merry christmas shoved down our throats so i mean like what's one more you know (laughs) i've never been honestly haven't gotten that a ton even having worked at starbucks several years ago when my god when we came out with holiday blend and christmas blend they're like (gasps) Like everyone's clutching. I didn't even think about yes. that. They're like, wow, holiday blend. I was like, yes, because there's so much more than Christmas, but yeah. whatever. I I think I might have gotten a passive aggressive, like, Merry Christmas once, but mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Sorry. There's the choking again. Ignore it. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we, we should, just should get into it. Yeah, we should get into it. Also, for the, until further notice, unless I feel like drinking, we're just let's just assume we're drinking whatever just because of Megan's state. She has fallen mm-hmm. pregnant. So. <laughs> I, have, I have fallen uh, with a child. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, currently, I'm actually drinking a monster for the first time in I don't know how long. So, oh, you know, I don't think you guys know what I'm having. Oh. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think I've announced it. If I had, look, here, uh, people have used the baby brain excuse to me a lot. And I said, I feel like I'm not any more stupid, <laughs> self-deprecating, oh, um, forgetful. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's just something people like to say when you do something silly. And I'm like, well, I would have done this normally, honestly. But if you guys don't know. Oh, I had the genetic test done, so I didn't have to wait for, like, the halfway mark to figure it out, because that's typically when you find out. Mm -hmm. Mostly, okay, I heard genetic testing for, like, any sort of anything that could possibly happen to the child that would cause some type of... I don't even know, uh, disabilities, things like that. Deformation. Yes. That sounds weird, but things like that. I know, yeah. it sounds weird. I'm not trying to be insensitive. But I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely want to make sure everything's chill so I know what to prepare for. And then they said, you also find out the gender. And they're like, oh, John said, 
I let's take it. Do that. <laughs> okay, like that's just an added bonus, I guess. So I did. I took the genetic test, and this family is cursed. <laughs> it's, curse is a mean word, but like, it's, let, it's a curse. It's because I'm having a girl. Yeah. If all of you guys care, <laughs> another but one. Another this will be one. number five. Yes. Yeah. Because, yes, five. Yes, five. Five. <laughs> so. Not a single. I was curious to know. I was curious about what it would be like to have a nephew. I can't wait to find out if I'm going to be an aunt or an uncle. Right. <laughs> I, I should have asked you that. I'm like, so you, do you think you're going to be an aunt or an uncle? <laughs> Gunkle. The gay uncle. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what it's going to call you And know? Maddie's decided she's going to be the wine aunt. So that always shows up with, like, the stained teeth and purple tongue. <laughs> just, like, always has, a, you know, a questionable bottle in her hand. Like, oh, it's but, just aunt's go-go juice. <laughs> like, oh, my God. But always in a good mood. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so yay, that's my tiny segue. That's what's yay. going on in my life. But and I'm drinking a monster. Maybe next time so. we'll talk. I don't know when I'll have a name, but we're working on names. We have a lo- like a list of maybe 50 names. Oh my god! My mother keeps giving me. Hi, mom. And so we finally started saying them out loud just around the house. And the- man, John offended me so bad. I said one name. I don't even know what it was. But I said the name, and before I I was done, he goes, "Ew, no, I don't like how you said that." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, all god. right." And some Sailor he would Moon, say, come here. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, I like that one." I said, "Okay." Okay, now you say it out loud and then he would say it and go oh no no <laughs> it looks good on paper until you say it and you're like eh right nah but we're working on it yeah that's all that's all that's the baby update if anybody cares <laughs> everybody cares <laughs> okay so we're drinking whatever i'll let you know i did drink a whole bottle of wine last night when i was wrapping presents that was fun word i'm I, uh, drinking half cut tea there you go hey okay so let's get into our sorry christmas stuff yep my bad my bad that was partially my fault i just hopped hopped on this train i was like look at all these fun things about christmas i did not question it a bit either so that's it's okay we're sorry (laughs) we're always sorry yeah so we're gonna we're gonna tag team some christmas stories yeah i'm gonna go ahead and go first and what okay when you think of christmas i'm like what what are some things that you think of that you see around christmas time or hear around christmas time mayhaps (laughs) um so i looked into the history of carolers which was kind of hilarious actually okay (laughs) where they come from i found this one article and it's salon.com i believe and it is pretty lengthy so it's gonna i'm gonna kind of start in the middle of this article so it'll be a little weird but the opening is just like all about christianity and politics and christmas and how we got to where we are i was like boo music (laughs) show us show us the singers so i found it so we're just gonna jump kind of kind of a little bit in the middle and we're taking you all the way back to the 1700s. Wow. Wow, neat. Wow. Of course, we can't talk about Christmas, Christmas, without the Puritans. Of course not. So the Puritans rejected the ceremony in favor of a direct communion with God. So what people were trying to have is just a nice time. They're like, God, Jesus, 
he needs to be at the center of this, all of this. And they're like, uh-huh. yeah, okay, go on. <laughs> Uh, they also, the Puritans, objected to the license and disorder of winter festivals. Uh, okay. Where's the Jesus? Where is he? <laughs> uh, God forbid people be happy without a God. No pun intended. <laughs> it says, among the practices, they took exception to... Uh, during the Christmas season festivities. Uh, uh, why is this written so weird? They took exception to during the Christmas festivities was cross-dressing. That's what they took exception to. You can do that. Which is weird. It was a, uh, for ancient winter Saturnalius. Saturnal. I'm going to say it the same way twice. So I'll just yeah, leave it at that. Saturnalius. That's what it is. Role reversal is what oh. they called it. Role reversals were a common feature of the winter celebration, so that's okay. So role playing was okay. <laughs> so, i.e., the king, the fool would be king for a day, mm-hmm. and peasants would temporarily command the wealthy. Uh, men and women would exchange roles, etc. Things like that. Yay! According to a minister writing in the early 1700s, Christmas mumming often involved a, quote, changing of clothes between men and women who, when dressed in each other's habits, go from one neighbor's house to another and make merry with them in disguise. Uh, oh. So this is something the Puritans were like, no, this is fine. This one's okay. This is a good one. <laughs> uh, everything else, you know, standing around, beating a log with a stick, that's bad. But yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget T.O. I love T.O. I We should have our own T.O. We should make that a family tradition. <laughs> I know. It says the merrymaking involved the objectionable habit of caroling, which the minister said occurred, quote, in the midst of rioting chambering fornication oh my goodness and wantonness <laughs> my my what what I happened do, I carolers okay so today you have carolers come up and i mean they're probably not in festive clothing anymore but they go go to your house and they sing you christmas songs and it's where's the fornicating right and now it's 1700s they're literally banging in the streets and singing about it i it reminds me of i've never even seen the show but you know is it community where he there it shows like him walking in with the the stack of pizzas and Uh like the room is on fire and everybody's freaking out that's kind of how i imagine it (laughs) i've never seen the show but i haven't either it is a show and i've seen that Clip the clip, I guess. What have you? Well, the Puritans brought their opposition to uh, to Christmas to the New World. Suppression of Christmas began in the first year of the Plymouth Rock Colony when its governor came across some revelers who had taken Christmas Day off and forced them to return to work. How How dare! dare. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The audacity. The observance of Christmas was declared a criminal offense by the Massachusetts General Court in 1659. I actually, now that you're talking about this, I recall learning. I've heard this at some point. Yeah. 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 Well, the person writing this article says their own great, 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 great grandmother, a woman named Dorothy Jones, was convicted in the town of Wilmington near Philadelphia in 1672 of, quote, 
propagating ye throne of wickedness. Oh my goodness. According to court records, she was charged with masking in men's clothes the day after Christmas, walking and dancing in the house of John Sims at nine or 10 o'clock at night. Oh no. Oh, Dorothy, what are you doing? (laughs) It's either Sims or Symes. It's S-I-M-E-S. Simis. Sims. I don't know. I don't know. We're going with Sims. Sims, who hosted the party, was charged with keeping a disorderly house. What? A, a nursery of debauch, ye inhabitants and youth of this city, to ye grief of and disturbance of peaceful minds. That's... <laughs> wow. Bomb. Jeez <laughs> like, Louise. As the old winter festivities became repressed, they turned more bitter and vehement. Christmas carolers, or waysailers, I believe is how you pronounce that, asserted their right to seasonal largess with the threat of violence. So now the carolers, they're done banging, and they're like, excuse you, (laughs) we are having a good time. They said a Scottish waysailing song can say contains such lines as oh <laughs> scottish this ought to be good scottish yes we've come here to claim our right and if you don't open up your door we'll lay it flat upon the floor god bless the mistress and her man dish and table pot and pan <laughs> here's to the one with yellow hair she's hiding underneath the stair oh my gosh be you maids or be you none although our time may not be long You'll be kissed ere when we go. Oh, so, my, my. Um, the man and the mistress. So it's very like, ooh, risque. goodness sakes. Young men from the fringes of society form bands who went from house to house demanding gifts, food, and drink. So this is, Caroline just, it's just not the same. Mm-mm. What What happened to the good old days, you know? That's what I want to go knocking on people's doors and singing about now. Give me stuff. Let me kiss your missus. <laughs> I know you're hiding someone in your house. Let me eat your food. <laughs> One way sailing song asserted the petitioner's right to sample the Lord's best goods and not just ordinary stock. So don't give me that. Just the uh, I need the zhuzh. Give me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What's what's hot out of the oven currently right this moment? So this song says. Come, butler, draw us a bowl of the best. Then we hope your soul in heaven shall rest. But if you draw us a bowl of the small, then down will come butler, bowl and all. I was going to say butler (laughs) and all. (laughs) Yes, a bowl and all. So if you don't give me the The best best in the house, I will literally knock your lights out. Like it's over. (laughs) I will flip this table, hit you with the chair, Uh, spit on your grave. Leave you for dead. If the petitioners were not let in, they would sometimes enter homes by force. Like, oh, you, you don't want me to give best. me stuff? <laughs> I will take lay it. The, lay the door flat, as the Scottish said. They said it. I mean, they, they weren't trying to hide it. They okay? said it best. On Christmas night of 1679, one landholder near Salem refused to grant the demands of such a gang of young men. His case is known through the court record it has left. It is retold in Stephen Nessenbaum's excellent The Battle for Christmas. After his refusal, he testified, quote, they threw stones, bones, and other oh things. Oh my gosh, the bones of the people that didn't <laughs> feed them before. They continued to throw stones for an hour and a half with little intermission. Why? <laughs> <What? laughs> 
They also broke down about a pole and a half of fence being stone wall and a cellar without the house distant about four or five rods was broken open through the door and five or six pecks of apples were stolen. My gosh. They were not having it. They were not having it. No. They, you opened this door. <laughs> The colonists succeeded with difficulty in suppressing Christmas for a time, but immigrants to North America from other parts of Europe, like Germany, the Netherlands, etc., continued to bring their various seasonal traditions with them. With a more diverse populace, by the beginning of the 19th century, Christmas was on the way to revival. Yay! Yay. They're, They're coming to fix it, guys. The Europeans are on their way. It emerged from its years of suppression in a new form. And then it goes on, and I don't want to stray away from my carolers so that's the story of the carolers and where they began there's Several a lot happening ago. there there's a lot happening there let's unpack so yeah. first it's we start with um partying and dancing and possibly inappropriate touching in the town square goodness yes. also cross-dressing yes puritans were like okay i mean if it as makes long you as christ happy, is still in christmas <laughs> merry christmas so they they were fine with that. But then when they're like, man, we're really hungry after all that dancing. <laughs> Let's go ask some people for food. And then they're like, um, okay, well, here's like last night's leftovers. And they go, uh-uh. You <laughs> thought. You <laughs> thought. Excuse me. And then they start demanding better. No, yeah, excuse me. The best in the house. Give it now or you're going to get yourself a nice knuckle sandwich. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I got some for you, sir. Oh, I hate you. And what? I just, I started reading it. I said, what is, I saw fornication. I said, I am in. I don't know what's <laughs> happening, but I'm here for it. Right. My, there were buzzwords that like drew me into my, I was like, well, well, well. Yeah. I was like, okay. And when I first started reading the article, I said, my God, I'm so sick of reading about politics. Like, I understand I need to keep up, but first of all that article i think was written in 2011 mm-hmm. old news get out of here <laughs> but uh, it was just a lot and then when i found the carolers finally i was like oh yes <laughs> so that starts off our christmas episode with some carolers yes history of carolers anyway so that's what i got so far i'm gonna take a, a little break here so i Cassie take over. yeah so i can talk about the probably one of the most popular as far as like i don't even the nutcracker i didn't know how to introduce this stage production sort of yeah when you think of like operas and whatever things during christmas time like the nutcracker is probably Mm -hmm. like Oh, the it's most been common done over so many times right which i just i don't know why because i was like well a christmas carol also as far as like p- productions go which i love christmas carol i want to go I back know. to india and watch it it's so good yeah that, do they play it into the new year indiana repertory theater go check it out folks they might be sold out i don't know well the nutcracker now okay don't hate me guys there's like no actual singing or words right it's just strictly it's almost like a fantasia style yes i believe so yes christmas show (laughs) yes okay so i'm gonna read the little quip that got i read it and i was like well now i have to dig further because it just because i feel like 
people know of the nutcracker but i personally honestly didn't even know like what the nutcracker really entailed i'm like it's just you know christmasy stuff and sugar, sugar plum, plum fairies, fairies. Oh exactly my God, I exactly hate <laughs> it is so much more than that oh, okay good Tell so me. here's the little quip that got me the Nutcracker Ballet is based on the 1816 story, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King, which I did know about the Mouse King, but... That sounds familiar. Yeah. By German author E.T.A. Hoffman. In the original tale, a seven-year-old girl named Mary slices her arm open after being startled by a vision of her toy Nutcracker coming to life. <laughs> As she recuperates, her godfather, Drosselmeyer, tells her the tale of a man cursed with the ugliness of a Nutcracker by a heartless queen. Oh, yeah. Like, I never, I didn't know any of this. No. So, I'm gonna leave, th there's like a little tidbit that it, <sighs> there's a little tidbit here that I might want to save for the end because... Well, no, it doesn't matter. This is this is the synopsis. I'm going to give you the synopsis, and then we're going to get into, like, the, the meaty stuff. So, the last bit says, When Mary eventually declares that she would love the Nutcracker no matter his appearance, which, like, okay. good for you, uh, she is whisked away into the doll kingdom to marry him. Oh, okay. Right. Bye, yeah. Mary. And the two are wed within a year of meeting, even though that would make Mary, do you recall her being a seven-year-old girl? That would make Mary eight years old at the time of her marriage. Oh. Um. Uh-huh. Well, now. So there's a lot to unpack here. Uh-huh. <laughs> so let's just get to unpacking, Tell shall me. we? And this was also, it was a good article. It was long, though. I tried to cut where I could because it really kind of got into, like, the author and the composers and all of that. And I'm like, I just want, like, the good stuff. I want the story. That's what we're here for. Right. So this also starts sort of in the middle of an, an article from NPR.org, actually. I, we, nice. We like NPR. <laughs> I do, personally. Anyway... Inan inanimate things come to life in many of Hoffman's stories. That's the author. He was a champion of the imagination run wild. Retired University of Minnesota German professor Jack Zipes says Hoffman was re rebelling, uh, rebelling, <laughs> rebelling against the dominant movement of the time, the Enlightenment, and its emphasis on rational philosophy. Quote, he believed strongly, as most of the German romantics at the time, that the imagination was being attacked by the rise of national rationalism throughout Europe. Zipes tells Sieg oh Zipes tells Siegel, sorry, and what's his name? Uh oh Siegel is the one of the main speakers on NPR. I can't oh, think of okay. his first name to save my soul right now, but Oh, don't ask me. I don't know. It's been so long since I've actually listened to NPR, but I do enjoy it. <laughs> anyway, the only way that an artist could survive would be to totally would be to totally become dedicated to another way of looking at the world and to reclaiming nature, reclaiming innocence, reclaiming an authentic way of living. One of Hoffman's stories was adapted by the French writer Alexander Dumas. It, I know, don't say. I wasn't. I almost did. <laughs> it was the tale of a little girl, Mary, and her Christmas toy, toys. Hoffman's title for it was Nutcracker and Mouse King. Okay. Simple, simple. In this original version, a Mary, I don't know why they're like a Mary, a Mary, worries about a beautiful nutcracker that's been broken. 
At night, she goes to check up on it. To her surprise, it has come alive, and a story within the story begins. Armies of mice and toy soldiers battle in what is either the child's delirious nightmare or perhaps another reality into which she wanders. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so it, that's why I was like, I skipped a lot because no offense, NPR is a little dry. Uh, <laughs> and then we got here. I was like, all right, we're getting into it. And it just gets like weirder. Oh, so hit me with it. Yeah. So that's, what did it say? That's the early, the original version was that way. And I feel like they kind of, oh, my notes jumped ahead. (laughs) I feel like they sort of toy with the idea of, is it another reality? Is it a nightmare? Is it a whatever? Mm -hmm. Again, with the whole her marrying the nutcracker, it's like, did she, (laughs) we'll get into it. Okay. We'll get into it. Alexander Dumas altered the original version, making it lighter and less scary because apparently we just couldn't handle it. And in 1892, a team of Russians turned Dumas's version into a ballet. The Nutcracker did not enjoy success at first, but the music by... Uh, oh my gosh, I only ever say his last name. I think it's just like... P- pure Peter? Like Peter? <laughs> <laughs> really struggle with that. Huh? No, because it's Russian. I feel stupid. Uh, Peter Illich. That don't. Nobody. Guys, I understand that I'm a music major, but I've literally. It's Tchaikovsky. Okay. You just. All right. Well, if you, you know, s- you know. P- I'm going to highlight Peter for you. Oh. Peter. Piotr. 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 So exactly. Piotr Ilich Tchaikovsky. Yeah. <laughs> if you put in a somewhere, it sounds like it might be right. Oh, God. Anyway, so the, the ballet itself didn't enjoy success, but Tchaikovsky's music eventually did, and staging it has been a Christmas season ritual, sugar, plums, and all. Mm. <laughs> But something happened to Hoffman's story in this progression from dark to light. Mary became Clara. Yeah, her flights of imagination became sweeter and more tame, and her real-life family, called Silberhaus, which is German for Silverhaus, like, German is not that hard to learn, folks, it's really not, in the ballet became sweeter as well. I wonder if they changed her name because of some type of, uh, if translation maybe maybe so this was back in 1892 and i don't know at what time the change happened but mary like it could be marie it's m-a-r-i-e uh-huh or they may have picked a name that more suits because you said it this was first adapted in russian correct or for in russia and well, in 1892 a team of russians a team of russian turned dumas's version into a ballet okay i don't know maybe that was more a uh, more common name in Russia. Yeah. I don't Clara, know. Clara, K-L-A-R-A. So, yeah. Oh, well. So, going on. What is interesting are the names sometimes that Hoffman uses sometimes in the Nutcracker and the Mouse King, says German Professor Jack. Oh, he, oh, wow, the emphasis. Let's back it up. Slow down. So, Jack Zipes says, what is interesting are the names sometimes that Hoffman uses sometimes in the Nutcracker and the Mouse King. That's a quote. So he was just like, just talking. Yes, just exactly. Talking. <laughs> he goes on to say the family in his story, in contrast to the ballet, is called Stahlbaum, which means steel tree. Mary Hoffman's protagonist, Mary 
Hoffman's protagonist, is imprisoned within the regulations of the family. The family follows rituals in a prescribed way, and she feels somewhat constrained by this. Then Mary's strange and provocative godfather, Drosselmeyer, appears. And he says, it's very difficult to translate the word Drosselmeyer, but it's somebody who stirs things up, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, And Drosselmeyer certainly shakes things up. He brings these amazing toys that he's made and ignites the imagination of the young people in the celebration of Christmas. Okay. So this is all within the story. In the 1980s, the Pacific Northwest Ballet wanted to return to Hoffman's original version, The Dark One. Oh, good. Yes. They turned to an illustrator and writer who was famous for his own dark voyages within childhood demons, Maurice Sendak. Does that sound familiar at all? No. It doesn't sound familiar to me either, but they are the author of Where the Wild Things Are. Oh, well, shoot. How old is that book? I mean, the 80s. Oh, They're saying okay. here, they said the oh, 1980s. 19. I don't know why no. I was thinking, like, I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. well, it's just the baby brain. <laughs> yeah, so they said they wanted to go back to the the original, which was more dark, so they turned to an illustrator and writer who was famous for his dark voyages with childhood demons, Maurice Sendak, author of Where the Wild Things Are. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, when it said I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. So when I did read it, I became very interested because it was a very bizarre story. Uh, is a very bizarre story, and that, of course, would appeal to me, Sendak told NPR in 1984. It meant something. It had bite and muscle the way that grim fairy tales do. So I thought if we... Yeah, right? <laughs> so I thought if we could put up on the stage in Seattle anything approximating Hoffman without diluting or ba- bashing Tchaikovsky, then perhaps we would have something that was interesting. And Sendak's version of the Nutcracker, with his sets and libretto, is the only version that Jack Zipes says captures Hoffman's original spirit. Again, makes sense to me. So they wanted to go back to that dark, creepy, what have you. Uh Uh-huh. Now, stories evolve from one author and one medium to adapters and new media. But Zipes says that what has been lost from most productions of The Nutcracker is Hoffman's very attitude about imagination, reality, and childhood. Quote, There is a great deal of damage done to Hoffman's story because at the end of his story, Mary moves off into another world, or it seems that she's going off into another world, a world of her own choosing, he says. Whereas in the ballet, it's a harmless diversion that is full of sort of dancing and merriment, but there's nothing profound in the ending of the ballet as it exists, and it's also true of Dumas's story ends in a very fluffy saccharine way I don't know if that's how you say that word I believe you (laughs) but Hoffman Zipes adds wanted to make sure his readers knew that Mary was aware of the contrast between her life with rule bound style bombs and the dream world of the Nutcracker a world of imagination a world of choice where she can also make decisions that are more in accord with her own imagination so is the nutcracker is weird like i wish it would have gotten more to the story but it it covered it in the beginning which is the nutcracker is this girl who choo- it's y- you know what vibes it gave me so where the wild things are okay Grim yeah. fairy tales little nemo oh, okay yeah it's like little nemo meets Ooh, Pan's Labyrinth. I'm just throwing out a lot of good ones now oh, God. which there's like a whole lot of nuances in that where it's like did she choose Oh, that did movie. it actually happen? Did she choose this imagination? Was it another world? It's those endings where I'm like, tell me, just tell me. Right. So the Nutcracker is like the ballet apparently just diluted everything. And it said there, uh, this Alexander Dumas was saying 
that the ballet has diluted down this really weird dark story mm-hmm. and it just sort of like fluffs it up and it's like look pretty dancing and music that doesn't actually resolve but the resolve is this little girl is i don't know what the slicing her arm open thing is about yeah but i don't know if it's she cuts her arm open on the broken nutcracker i think that's what it is mm-hmm. and she checks on this nutcracker and it's alive and she somehow I don't know if it's that she falls in love with it, but she's like, I love you for you, even if you're broken or not. And he's like, good, let's go get married, eight-year-old. <laughs> and But I mean, if he's a nutcracker toy, what what is age, really? <laughs> I, right? And then there's the Mouse King that it didn't really touch. And I didn't, <laughs> the Mouse King, I don't know. It's a hot mess. Oh, just the yeah, war. The Mouse, King's, the Mouse King's army of nutcrackers and the war and all of that it's very dark i suddenly have to sneeze so bad oh lord <laughs> help me tom cruise help me from <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man it, come on <laughs> do you see my eyeballs watering yes oh that was not good i didn't like any of that it didn't okay. happen but yeah so apparently there was a war and this girl was whisked away into what could be a dream or a whole world of her own making all alice in wonderland pan's labyrinth little nemo whatever style yeah and she just chooses she's just in that world she's gone bye mary with the nutcracker see you never or like peter pan you know okay here's the thing there's a lot of stories it's hard to come up with a completely original story anymore but as i'm saying all of those it's kind of true pan's labyrinth with the alternate reality is it a dream is it this world that she created peter pan i don't like the stall bombs i'm gonna go to this world where rules don't apply which also is kind of like little nemo Mm -hmm. but it's a dream but is it a dream who knows Uh, yeah so like it's there's so much depth to the nutcracker and what it actually is and the story behind it and there's wars and love and loss and what have you and it's just like pretty dancing and music yeah. like the ballet is really good tchaikovsky there's they said they don't want to poop on tchaikovsky and his music but it's very fluffy yeah and they made it very fluffy and i've never seen it but i know the music i would know it the second i hear it mm-hmm. so yeah so the nutcracker is actually dark and also go so read it if you get a chance i, I would assume it yeah it's a story go read it also watch pan's labyrinth and little nemo and what else did i say oh gosh alice in wonderland peter uh, pan there were some uh, uh, little nemo's the good one little nemo and pan's labyrinth check them out little nemo's like a fever dream to me i know i've yeah, seen it but... fever dream ha ha see oh. <laughs> yep all right <laughs> back to me and speaking of carolers going back to my story why don't we just talk about one very famous carol in particular and where the heck that comes from because yikes okay <laughs> do you all know and yes, I can hear your responses. I, of course, uh, "Good King Wenceslas." That's like one of the first songs you learn to play on your instrument. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at least for strings. Yeah, here in the states, that's what we learned. And the story behind, like, who is he though? Who is King Wenceslas? And is he really is he good? good? <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. Classic FM will tell us all about it. <laughs> ClassicFM.com. Okay. This was actually written in 2018, so a little bit sooner, and it's called The Real Story Behind the Carol, Good King Wenceslas. Wow. 
first of all, there's a statue of him in Prague hanging out. Just hey, oh, on all right. his horse. Okay. Looking nice and regal. And they say that it may be one of the most popular carols ever written, but the story behind it is bizarre and gruesome. All right. This is what we're teaching children. Yay. The man we know as good King Wenceslas was actually, here we go, whole name, Wenceslas I, Duke of Bohemia. Oh. Wow. He's the people's king. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to butcher this. Good. It's Czech. So it's maybe I should. He was also known as the Klek. The good, or <laughs> he's got a longer name. It's in Czech, and he lived from uh, nine hundred and seven. Okay, to twenty eight September nine thirty five. Nine thirty five. He did he not was, live long. Twenties. No, he was in his twenties. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Math is hard. Rip. Sorry, Wenceslas. We're going with Wenceslas. Wenci. Uh, the reason we have the exact date of his death, uh, because hello, that's the 900s. There's not a fourth number in there. Yeah, right. The reason that we have his exact date of death is that he was assassinated. No. <laughs> not just by anybody, but by the order of his brother. That ha- Isn't that just the way? Mm-hmm. Isn't that how it always happens? His brother appropriately named Bad uh, King? Bullsloss the Cruel. Oh, I was going to say bad King Wenceslas. (laughs) So let's get a little background history here on good King Wenceslas. Wenceslas didn't come from a Christian stock. His grandfather had been converted to Christianity by St. Cyril and Methodius. Mm, ah. Uh, Uh, His mother was the daughter of a pagan tribal chief. So, uh uh-uh, you know what happened. Mm -mm. That's not good. Uh, She was baptized before she was married, though. She did that. Okay. When Wenceslas' father died, there was a power vacuum. The young boy's mother was banished, and his grandma was killed by assassins. Grandma! Grandma! It said, not, it said she was strangled with her own veil. Grandma! They took no mercy on her. Dang! But once the dust settled, the people of Bohemia decided that they wanted Wenceslas to be his ruler, even though his family has obviously got some drama. Clearly. They're like, you can rule, that's fine. His mother ruled as regent until he reached the age of 18 at which point he banished her oh mom. he turned 18 mom's running the country run the little bohemia and then he's like so um you're gone right i'm good you can leave now yeah <laughs> when he came of age he banished her wham and to try to avoid disputes the country was split in two and half was given to wenceslas youngest brother or younger brother bolslas Okay. I he's that's a just, just a gross sloss. name to say. Yeah. Like a bowl of sloss. Mm, and I'm probably say. saying it wrong, but mm. but Bull Sloss wasn't happy with the setup and in September of nineteen thirty five he plotted with a group of noblemen to kill his brother. Yikes. The three nobles stabbed Wenceslas before his own brother ran to through him, not to him, through him with a lance. Oh my god. Man, so we went full on Caesar. Oh, yeah. Just everyone uh, taking turns with the knife, and then the brother's like, yeah. That's the- disgusting and terrifying. Yeah. I mean, it was only three. Only. It was three people and then his brother. Uh, so we know the date. It's September 28th. Okay. When Wenceslas was later canonized, this day was made his saint's day. Oh, right. 
after his death. He was regarded as a martyr and saint almost immediately after his death, but he wasn't promoted from Duke of Bohemia to King of Bohemia until Holy Roman Emperor Otto I gave him the title uh, posthumously a few years after his death. Okay. So, wasn't even a king when he died. He was just a duke. All right. People in Bohemia and England in particular began to venerate St. Wenceslas on the 12th century... Uh, wait, excuse me. Period. One 12th century preacher said, His deeds I think you know better than I could tell you. For as it is read in his passion, no one doubts that, rising every night from his noble bed with bare feet in only one chamber lane, he went around to God's churches and gave alms generously to widows, orphans, and those in prison afflicted by every difficulty. Oh, so, like this is Wenceslas? Long story short, Wenceslas was a good guy. He what? actually took care, even though he's like, peace out, mom. He... <laughs> So did his brother really have the name, the, the moniker, the cruel or something? That's what they said. Is that the correct word? Did I just use that word in the right? It sounded right. No, moniker. That sounded right. I, okay. I was agreeing. I said that sounded right. I'm, I try to use fancy words to make up for the fact that I am not fancy. <laughs> oh. Well, the statue in Prague is because that's where his remains lay to this day. Wow. And it is a public holiday in the Czech Republic. Yay. Why, yay. So there is a brilliant legend attached to the statue, by the way. Okay. <laughs> the story goes that if the Czech Republic is in danger, the statue of King Wenceslas will come to life, rising a sleeping army and reveal a legendary sword to bring peace to the land. <laughs> it sounds like some Legend of Zelda uh, stuff. I don't yeah. know why. Anyway, the words of the actual carol were written in 1853, many, many, many years later, yes. by John Mason Neal, but the melody is much older. It is a 13th century tune called Tempus Addist Floridium. And if you... Ah, uh, that old, that old <laughs> tune, that old gem. Or Floridum, I'm sorry. That's Latin. I cannot tell you what it means. <laughs> Megan, you took Latin. <laughs> I know. It's in the praise of spring. It's the, the song is about springtime. Piscina. <laughs> that's fish pond. That's my favorite Latin word. Uh, the carol was written for the feast of St. Stephen or Stephen, better known as Boxing Day. Yay, we know I've that one. I've heard of that one. <laughs> it celebrates the long tradition of chari charitable giving on the second day of Christmas. Okay. And then they give us all the words to Good King Wenceslas. If you haven't heard it, maybe we'll link the video that they have here because <laughs> they have a whole little kids choir singing it. Oh, that's cute. And that is a story of Good King Wenceslas. And Bad King Wenceslas. You never knew what you were singing. No. And now you know. You know, it's wild how, like, children's uh, rhymes and stuff, like... Mm -hmm. Ring Around no the Rosie and London Bridge and yeah. all that jazz. Not Fergie. Who sang no. that? <laughs> Fergie. <laughs> Who sang that song? What? London Bridge? Yeah. Yeah, that was the Black Eyed Peas, I think. Oh, gosh. We sound so stupid right Good now. God. That was a terrible song. It's whatever. It was awful. It's fine. But anyway, everything always has such dark <laughs> I know. ties. I, he was a good guy, though. It's not like they just made it up. Uh, supposedly a good guy. Uh, his brother was like, it's all or nothing. He didn't want half. So poor, poor Wenceslas. Poor Wency. But... We still sing about him today. So who's the real winner? Bolesloss. Bolesloss. <laughs> Bolesloss. Ooh, I like coleslaw. I did. <laughs> it made me think of coleslaw. I didn't want to say it. I'm glad we're on the I same page. I kind of want coleslaw now. That 
is it for carols <laughs> and caroling and kelsey you can send us off with a real a doozy. banger yes. a doozy yes <laughs> like i know why my i, I kind of dropped the ball in the nutcracker one but hear me out i didn't drop the ball on this one so strap in folks uh and because we're about to i wish i could find a segue we're about to shimmy down the chimney to we're gonna talk like about that Santa. super inappropriate song <laughs> I told you about shimmy down my chimney. What? What? <laughs> I want you to fill up my stocking. That was a song. <laughs> you guys, this was a song. When did you talk about that? I thought I t- when I worked at Starbucks, oh, they would play I... the music in the lobby. And we were standing there one day and we heard I fill up my stocking and we're like, but very like sensual. Yeah. And we said, huh? So we were listening and we're like, oh my God. It's like, I want you to shimmy down my chimney, baby. I want uh, you to fill up my stocking. Uh, I was like, <laughs> Like what? just get Santa Claus and go home. What right? in the He's world? got a lot of houses to go to. <laughs> <laughs> this is really taking a long time. No, it reminds me of a song that played when I worked at PetSmart. That it was like, you better. Oh gosh, it was the Santa Claus is coming to town. Mm-hmm. But they changed the lyrics and it was like, you better not cry. You better not pout. You better be good. He's checking you out. <laughs> It it stressed me out and I didn't like it. It feels a little predatory. Yikes. But you know what? That probably would be better than what some of these Santas do coming down the chimney. Oh, good. So let's, let's, or not, you know, there's so, well, there's so many variations. We're just going to get, again, I'm going to read you the little quip that I was like, well, well, well. And Mm -hmm. I needed to read about this more. This, the little quip comes from insider.com. It says, as it turns out, Santa isn't the only one who can creep into homes unnoticed via the chimney. Mm -hmm. There are countless European legends that tell of both helpful and malicious supernatural creatures sneaking into homes through chimneys. So basically, this is going to be talking about the potential supernatural, like, idea of why santa comes down the chimney can't wait oh it's it's a good one um the so the the bulk of my information is actually coming from mentalfloss.com okay yeah i've definitely been on it before i don't know if i've ever used it as a source before but right yeah let's go let's shimmy let's dive down the chimney shall we i can't these segues are bad (laughs) these segues are awful not good okay So, Santa Claus, as we know him today, has only existed since the 19th century, and he first slid down the chimney in an 1812 book by Washington Irving. But the fireplace served as a venue for magical visitors long before Santa Claus. Oh, boy. During the 15th century, the French scholar Petrus Mamoris. Yep. Yeah. Became concerned about a widespread belief that witches could pass through solid objects like walls and closed doors in order to enter homes. Yeah, right. Believing Christians were granting too much power to the occult, Mamoris offered a practical explanation. Witches, elves, and the like simply entered via the chimney. (laughs) So he's like, y'all Christians are getting kind of wild and making these things up, so I have to calm you down somehow. Mm -hmm. They can't just walk through walls. They come down your chimney. Don't worry. Like, yeah, like that's supposed to make it better. So just imagine, like Like the snow white. (laughs) (laughs) 
this idea gained widespread cultural currency. In Renaissance-era fairy tales, fairies appeared via chimneys, and during the same period, witches were said to fly up their chimneys on broomsticks to attend Sabbath meetings. As we do. <laughs> well, I, I act, yes, yes. <laughs> Throughout European folklore, the hearth and chimney act as a liminal space, connecting the natural and supernatural worlds. No, I know. Wonderful. <laughs> right? So go in one dead, come out the supernatural leather. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And eventually, somehow, we will get to Santa doing this. Like, oh. somehow this leads to Santa Claus, and it's all okay. Oh, good. According to legend, many supernatural creatures exploit this special intermediary space to enter homes for good or ill. Yes, all, all of them caught wind. They're like, guys, the chimney. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they're coming from. <laughs> Scottish and English legend feature the brownie, a household spirit that aids in domestic tasks, but only at night and enters and exits via the chimney. So, like, they're cleaning my house a little bit while I sleep? Yeah, the brownie does, yes. Brownie, and it's spelled like you? brownie, which I literally just remembered I bought a cros- cosmic brownie earlier. <laughs> I'm so ready to finish this episode. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, he did, it says it helps with domestic tasks, but only at night. So, kind of like... I'm fine. Just don't be loud. Let me sleep. Right? Keep it, keep it down. You're, we're in a church. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> corpse bride. Yeah, it's corpse bride. Okay. In Slovenia, a shape-shifting fairy called the Scrat brings riches to human families who cultivate his favor, flying down the chimney in a fiery form when delivering money. I hear nothing wrong so far. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, okay, where's my fiery money? Right. <laughs> According to a Celtic lore, a nursery bogey called the Bodak, yellow, sneaks down. (laughs) I I would say Bodak, B-O-D-A-C-H. Bodak? I don't know. The Bodak yellow sneaks down chimneys (laughs) and kidnaps children. Uh Uh-oh, that's bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's the Celtic lore. Uh, And then some chimney traveling spirits appear specifically during the winter holidays. In Greece, goblins known as... Forgive me. Calacanceroy. <laughs> uh, Calacanceroy. Yes. Ca- the K word. Oh. Yeah. It look, I, it's pretty spot on. Americanized. Yeah. <laughs> Cal- Calacance. Yeah. Roy. Anyway, they slip down the chimney to wreak havoc during the 12 days of Christmas. All 12? All 12. Oh, God. I mean, it's better than... Have you seen the thing that it's like, if someone actually gave you those gifts, literally the first six days are birds. I... The first six days are birds. And you're like... And you hit day five and you're like, oh, finally, golden rings. And they're like, here's some geese. (laughs) (laughs) Just more birds. God, what if you don't even like birds? Anyway, Italy's Labafana sometimes called the Christmas witch, delivers gifts the night before Epiphany, leaving her presence in shoes set by the fireplace, which is reminiscent of German. Uh, the German, yeah, uh, Krampusnacht. Is it on Krampus? Well, that's well, when St. Nicholas puts the yeah. stuff, which I believe it's actually, we're going to cover that, so let's keep going. This is still talking about, you know, cultural, different gosh darn variations of things that come down the chimney and not always it doesn't always have to be for christmas things Uh uh-huh 
So while Libafana wasn't making widespread deliveries in the early United States, other mythical holiday gift bringers were. So now we're in the United States. So this was still a th- like this is wild, wild to me because I read this and I'm like, this is not. We don't know squat about this in America. At least I don't. We have Pelsnickel, also called Pelsnickel or Bellsnickel, or I'm I can I say that Bellsnickel. That's a re- uh, It's how else am I supposed to say that? Um, I that's a. I know. <laughs> say it slow. Hold on, slow. First of all, I believe I have heard of Bell Snickel. Okay, I, I feel like I haven't. But you know where it originated from? Like here, so. It traveled among German immigrant communities in the 19th century. Pennsylvania. That's where this... I know. I was like, of all the places. What are you guys doing? Yeah. So, German immigrant communities in 19th century Pennsylvania brought Pelsnickel, scaring naughty children and rewarding good ones. Okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, German. Makes sense. (laughs) This whip-wielding wild man was a bit more intimidating than jolly old Saint... Santa Claus, uh-huh. but he served a similar purpose. Oh, okay. Uh, according to a December 19th, 1827 issue of the Philadelphia Gazette, quote, he is the precursor of the jolly old elf Christkindle or St. Nicholas and makes his personal appearance dressed in skins or old clothes, his face black, a bell, a whip, and a pocket full of cakes or nuts. Oh. <laughs> Yay. It is no sooner dark than the bell schniggles bell is heard, <laughs> is heard flitting from house to house. I hate this. Oh my god. He's, he slips, I thought it said slaps. <laughs> he slips down the chimney at the fairy hour of midnight and deposits his presence quietly in the prepared stocking. Pelsnickel comes from the German word pels, meaning hide or fur coat, and nickel, meaning Nicholas, literally furry nicholas oh <laughs> and pell's nickel gosh darn if it jumps down my notes one more time <laughs> oh and my head hit the man we're just really falling apart <laughs> i wore a hat this time and i hit my my mic here what is it pell's nickel oh was a forerunner to the american santa claus and a mythical companion of the same ancient saint so pell's nickel is wild <laughs> a wild whip wielding man no i had never heard of pell's nickel but apparently it is like like you said. There's Saint Nicholas in German lore, yeah. and then they have Krampus, which mm-hmm. is like the whip wielding guy. And I guess we have the same, but they just don't talk about it. We've got Santa Claus and Pelsnickel. Maybe Pelsnickel was someone we talked about or looked at last Christmas episode, but didn't cover. Maybe, possibly, perhaps. I don't know. So now. We're going to get into <laughs> the the Santa Claus part of it. And this you, all this stuff has been wild. Santa Claus, they ain't got nothing on Santa Claus, okay? Oh, good. So, <laughs> while the character of Santa Claus draws from numerous mythical sources, his namesake is Saint Nicholas, the 4th century bishop of Myra, an ancient town in what is now Turkey. Okay, cool. Okay. 
In the most famous tale involving St. Nicholas, the bishop anonymously delivers bags of gold to a poor family to use as dowries for their daughters, keeping the father from selling the girls into prostitution. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so early versions of the story have the saint tossing the money through the window, appropriate given that St. Nicholas lived during the 3rd and 4th centuries, 900 years before the chimney. Oh. But as the story changed over time, St. Nicholas began dropping the gold down the chimney. A 14th century fresco in a Serbian church shows the chimney has become part of the legend by the early Renaissance period. So, yeah, he brought gifts, but it was literally to save daughters from being saved into prostitution. So, like... Sold. Yeah. What'd I say? Saved. Sold into prostitution. (laughs) I'm not even drinking, guys. Hello? Just out here talking fast and loose. That's okay. No, being sold into prostitution. So... Yeah. Thanks, St. Nick. But you know what? That, I was like, wow, that's, that is very risque for Santa Claus, and how did they make it such a tame character now? It's okay, because it gets a little better. Thanks to his generous dowry gifts and a host of miracles, including resurrecting a group of murdered boys who had been chopped into pieces... Santa! Santa. <laughs> he, re- he resurrected. So thanks to his generous... I'll read it again. Take this in, folks. Thanks to his generous dowry gifts and a host of miracles, miracles, including resurrecting a group of murdered boys who had been chopped into pieces, St. Nicholas became the patron saint of children, and his feast day was associated with special treats for the little ones. Now, how come just a couple of boys and not all the other wrong deaths? And- I, I don't know, and I kind of want to know about that specific story but yeah he's known as the patron patron saint of children because he saved girls from being sold into prostitution i think that's what i was trying to say and resurrected dead murdered chopped up boys so like good for him shake that turtleneck maple dang we got her a new turtleneck sweater festive she is very festive i i'm not gonna tell her it's an ugly sweater because she finds it really cute (laughs) (laughs) just kidding it's a cute sweater Okay. By the 16th century, it was tradition for Dutch children to leave their shoes on the hearth the night before the Feast of St. Nicholas. They would then wake to find the shoes filled with candy and presents, which they believed the saint had lowered down the chimney. Though Catholic saints were renounced during the Reformation, St. Nicholas stayed popular in the Low Countries, even among some Dutch, Dutch Protestants and Dutch settlers brought their traditions to North America. The name Santa Claus, I'm going to read this last bit. The name Santa Claus is an Americanized version of the abbreviated Dutch name for St. Nicholas, Sinterklaas, but Dutch colonists did not popularize him as most of these were St. Averse Reformation Dutch. Yes, I don't know. Yeah. And their influence waned once New Amsterdam became New York. In 1809, it was writer Washington Irving who helped spark an interest in St. Nicholas when he featured the saint in his satirical Knickerbocker's History of New York, which made fun of antiquarians obsessed with the city's Dutch heritage. In an expanded version of the Knickerbockers published in 1812, Irving added a reference the first known to St. Nicholas rattling down the chimney himself rather than simply dropping the presents down. So writer Washington Irving was the one that kind of alluded to the fact that he comes down the chimney, he doesn't just drop them down the chimney. Right. So I said that was going to be the last bit I read. I tried to cut it down, but I told you it's good. So there, I, there is one more tidbit that I'm going to read for you. I thought I was going to keep it out, but I want to read it anyway. 
Millions of American children came to believe that Santa Claus slid down the chimney to deliver their presents. But what does Santa do if there's no chimney? Right, right. I've always wondered that. Children always wonder that, and they do, and they ask questions, so you have to have answers. So here's the answers. As coal and wood stoves took the place of open fireplaces in many American homes, a parallel tradition developed. Santa squeezed down the stovepipe. Have you not seen the Santa Claus with Tim Allen? Well, it (laughs) makes me claustrophobic. But yeah, no, it's that's actually a thing. That's how they convinced children who didn't have chimneys that Santa Claus still got in their houses. They're like, well, the stovepipe. And by 1857, this image was common enough that the New York Times referred to it as a given. So, it might seem ridiculous to imagine that portly gift bringer somehow stuffing himself into a six-inch stovepipe, but during the mid-19th century, this is, so why I wanted to read this is I actually found this interesting, and I don't, it's stupid that I found it interesting, but I was like, you know what, why did I never think of that? So, it sounds ridiculous to have him being shoved down a six-inch stovepipe, but during the mid-19th century, Santa Claus was envisioned differently in one key way. He was miniature. Oh! (laughs) And here's all the evidence. In his poem, Moore calls Santa a jolly old elf, suggesting his size is elfin. He is a little old driver in a miniature sleigh with, quote, eight tiny reindeer. Right. You're right. Right. Okay. He has a, quote, droll little mouth and his, quote, little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. Cool. So everything they're talking about is small. The eight tiny reindeer, the miniature sleigh, the little, old, little fat belly or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Little round belly. Yeah. And I'm just like, dang, you know, like what it, we've portrayed Santa to be this fat, giant man and literally everything in the text leads you to believe that he is no bigger than an elf huh which like how big is an elf we're not going to get into that illustrations from the time including many of nast's drawings show a miniature santa who needs to stand on a chair to reach the stockings on the mantelpiece but while this elfin santa could slide easily down the chimney even he would have difficulty squeezing through a stovepipe in published letters to santa some children inquired about his method of entry do you crawl do you call oh my gosh do you crawl down stovepipes they would ask of course santa claus is magical so while children may have been curious about the practicalities involved it wasn't a barrier to belief one boy told santa confidently in 1903 quote i watch for you every night in the stove oh god yeah (laughs) and i wanted to end it there because it kept going because then it talked about like what happens if you don't have a stove or like a chim like a chimney or a stovepipe when radiators came about and then everyone just had the tiny floor radiators like what do you do then Mm -hmm. and they started just coming up with all these crazy excuses they talked about how santa claus started to people really stopped believing in santa claus because they're like well if he can't get in the house then he doesn't really exist and it was rekindled and blah 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 but Mm -hmm. so there was so much more to it but those were the interesting things i really wanted to cover you know prostitution and chopped up boys and (laughs) miniature santa clauses but Mm -hmm. I thought I thought it was really interesting and I cut a lot out on that one too because I was like we can't be here all day yeah but still good good stuff it was it wasn't I guess it wasn't too late I hope you all enjoyed it I thought I was reading in every every next paragraph I was like wow 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 (laughs) like Santa yeah I was really I don't know the story of good king Wenceslas was short but like 
it was just oh my god <laughs> goodness gracious <laughs> well, how did we get to this point if this I, I don't know it's weird how things happen in history you know right and does it surprise you that everything in history is dark but we just like brush it off and say that it's cutesy and fluffy like the nutcracker like good king wenceslas like santa claus starting from witches that they're like they're coming through the walls right. and they're don't they're like don't be silly the goblins are coming down the chimney not through the walls <laughs> you idiot you <laughs> God, fun stuff. I love learning about this. I do. I like you know half of half of our podcast episodes are history anyway, and I I enjoy it. I like the history. Mm-hmm. Next holiday season, we will cover something other than Americanized christmas right but you have to i think maybe it's because we're americans and like whatever but i still think it's interesting no i do i do i hope that you our international listeners are still you're just like my god or for those of you that just don't celebrate christmas oh yeah or any type of like holiday if you're just whatever doing your thing yeah just you can sit and laugh at us and why we do the things we do. <laughs> <laughs> we sit and laugh at ourselves every day and then we cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, I think we made it. That's the end. That is the end of the Christmas episode. Oh, another oh, one gone. And I think, are there is there another episode before the new year? Is this it? Oh, yeah, we should. Because this is coming out on Thursday. 23rd oh yeah we will have one more because the 23rd yes i'm just awful with dates that would be the 30th the 30th yeah very close to the end so we gotta think of something good good. yeah the pressure's on oh my god we have to go we have to start reading we have to start researching i know and i work so much leading up to this lord Mm, tell me about it i don't want to i don't want to talk about it if you like what you hear (laughs) First of all, follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok's out there hanging out. Is it just me or every time you say that? Like, I really want to go Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, MySpace. Like, I don't know why I always throw that in. You you guys have no idea. If we had a MySpace. Live journal. We'd be coding all day long, (laughs) making our own. Oh, it would be, oh my gosh, like that thing that someone's like, wouldn't it be cool if people could just come to your Facebook page and it, you could have your favorite music playing, like your favorite artists and all that. I'm like, uh, and the thing that it's like, we finally child. reached the generation that does not know what MySpace is. Uh, see, you'd think you'd like it. And then when you keep stalking the same person and you keep hearing oh my gosh. Uh, whatever song was my big humps. <laughs> I mentioned my humps before or buttons, but pussycat <laughs> I know. Oh, so stupid. Oh, God. We don't have a MySpace. I'm sorry. We'll look into it. Uh, Connect with us on LinkedIn. We're not there either. No, (laughs) No. not at all. I said live journal, Xanga, Xanga, or however you want to say it, right? Yeah. These things that existed. Mm -hmm. Wow. Golly. Well, we what we do have is a website, and you can find that at orsothesaypod.com, where it's got links to all of our actual social media, as well as some places where you can donate and help us out to keep this podcast going if you really want us to. <laughs> like, if you want us to keep doing this. Now, there's two ways you can donate. The first one is through our PayPal, which there's a link for it, and... That's a one-time donation, whatever, whatever you want to donate and all of it helps. We appreciate every cent of it. 
But if you're feeling super generous, we do have a Patreon where you can donate. Uh, it's a monthly subscription, anything from a dollar all the way up to $10 and beyond if you really want to go that far. And donating to Patreon actually gets you access to all of our extra content. So yes, this episode was kind of weird. We just covered Christmas stuff and the scary side of Christmas, I guess. But typically we're going to haunted places and we're covering spooky locations and ghosts and things like that. So if you do donate on Patreon, you get access to all of our past trips where we've gotten EVPs, pictures, videos, anything we find that we just cannot explain gets plopped onto that. Yeah. And every, even starting at $1, you get access to that. So highly, highly recommend that one. Good stuff hanging out there. You can also find our you merch. Take a, you take I a am, breath. <laughs> I'm draining. Um, you can find our merch at redbubble.com slash people slash or so they say pod, where you can get your hands on all sorts of fun stuff. It's a little late for Christmas. You should have you should have jumped on that sooner, but you can always get it for just uh, because it's a Tuesday. Yay. It's New Year's. Here you go. Yeah. Birthdays, anniversaries, divorces, whatever you, you know? want to do. I don't know. <laughs> It went dark again. Sorry. Why? Why? Why were we like this? Anyway, check that all out there. And the first Thursday of every month, we will be doing a listener episode where if you guys have anything you'd like to share, spooky places you've been, or I don't know, maybe just some fun history. I'm down for fun history, like scary, dark, spooky history. You can send that our way at two, sorry, two or so they say pod at gmail.com. And then we'll read your stuff every first Thursday and share it with the rest of our listeners. Yeah. And last but not least. Well, before that, we also have fifth Thursday episodes, which oh, that yeah. I just double checked. That's what I was looking at. Is it a fifth Thursday? It is a fifth it Thursday. It is a fifth Thursday, you guys. You're just going to get, get back to back nonsense. We don't nonsense. get many of these. Back to back nonsense. Fifth Thursday, we're just going rogue and we cover, it's called our twin tangent, where we may not necessarily cover ghost things, but we will cover things that we find super Super interesting and probably most of our listeners too i feel like we all kind of have the same same interests yeah so i what past episodes we've covered uh glitches in the matrix mm-hmm. we've talked about uh true crime yes um i can't remember we've uh, only had a few we just started it this year and fifth thursdays don't come around often no they don't why am i drawing a blank on one of them they're good though Ooh. I know. Oh, I'm not going to say that because I think those are future ones we want to do. Oh, yes, yes. We'll see. But go back, find them. We have a couple. They're hanging out. And this next episode will be our fifth Thursday. So we'll come up. So we do get to come up with something just crazy. So exciting. And it's the end of the year. So we'll see what we we'll see what we get. Yep. And last but not least, we would very, very much appreciate it. And it doesn't take money. It doesn't take following, subscriptions, notifications, blowing up your phone. But what you can do is wherever you're listening to us right now, especially you Spotify users, iTunes users, I know that it's really big on there. You can rate and review our podcast and let us know how we're doing and let the world know how wonderful we are. Uh, Really, okay, honestly, when you guys do that, that does 100% help get our name out there organically and get us to new to new states to new countries we've been all over the place we've hit all sorts of different countries locations it's right nuts. right i mean we also just enjoy the validation i can't i need constant validation that too <laughs> that is good too 
but we also gotta we gotta make money moves so like if you rate and review then other people will see us and that's how it grows and that's how it goes yes it's all because of you guys so thank you very much hope you have a happy holiday merry christmas whatever you're celebrating happy hanukkah or just a chill saturday if it's a yeah saturday hanging out if you work you are the backbone of this <laughs> of the of this country if you're in America. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry if you do work. I almost had to. Good God. Uh, Might make as sure well. you plug up your chimneys. Don't let the goblins and witches get you. Yeah, don't let miniature elf Santa. Brownie can come anytime he likes. Yep, come on, Brownie. Come on, Brownie. <laughs> and that is the end of our Christmas episode. Yay. Holiday episode Yay. number two. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll see you next week for just craziness, more craziness. It'll be good, I hope. (laughs) Okay. Okay, bye. Bye. Mixing and music by Kelsey Ingram. Visit us at our website, or so they say pod.com, where you can donate to our Patreon or PayPal, check out our merch at redbubble.com, and find links to all of our social media. Episodes can be found on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave us a glowing review. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.